Oh, thank you. Well, um, yeah, the reason we're not having a pot bless is I looked and Father's Day is the week before the conference and then we have the conference. So we'll just move it to July and expect Pastor Keith to um, fly back for the conference or for the... Just kidding, brother. So anyways... Um, <clears throat> I am trying something new today with the GoPro, and um, I'm going to see how it turns out. If you could, ha if I could have just a little more volume, that would be great. Okay, <clears throat> as soon as I connect, okay, there it is. Awesome. Okay, well, we're connected, and now just a quick rundown of what's been happening at my home. About two or three days ago, I started to notice that Hannah would kind of go and drift a little bit. She wasn't, it was almost as if she wasn't totally focusing on what was going on in the home. And then she started to run a low-grade fever. And so I quickly realized that she was slipping into an altered personality. And so what happened was is the Lord had brought this forward. I start, I, we ministered that evening, uh, kicked out what we needed to do, and then I just kind of felt like it's time now to start ministering to Hannah. So I've had this autoimmune renunciation prepared for about two weeks. And it is like three pages. It's very in-depth, very detailed about how it all works, how it goes through the body, how, what it does to the body. And after we got done, kicking things out on the way of both Lee and I and, and Hannah of the sins of the forefathers. Just before we got to the last paragraph, God says, I, now I want, you to, I want you to pray for her as soon as you finish. And I, and, I, and I said it out loud. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, <clears throat> the power of God came on her and the heat started through her head and went down to her belt buckle, her waistline, and remained on her. And after, after it happened, Hannah started to tell Lee and I that something happened. Something happened. God did something in, inside of me. God did something. And so on the way to church, she goes, Dad, this is weird. She goes, I have never been able to breathe like this since I was 10. So my point was, here's the point. Right biblical methods will bring over time kingdom results. You put the right things into practice and no matter what has happened 
physically to the person, if you recognize what it is and what happened and deal with it, God will heal you. Now, over the last three weeks, I've seen arthritis healed. I've watched cancer be healed. I've watched God give some guy a brand new uh, eardrum. Um, he was not born with the inside parts of his ear, so he had never heard out of his right ear. He was totally healed. Um, I've watched vision be healed. I'm starting to see God step it up big time because what we're what I am doing is I am putting certain biblical procedures into practice and I'm getting great and I'm watching the Lord do great things great things just the power of God was intense in here this morning or this afternoon so if you would open that's my testimony so if you would open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 and I just kind of feel over the next few weeks I might preach on other than Father's Day, I might preach on the book of Colossians because there's so much in there. We're going we're gonna to read the first eight verses. I normally teach on topic, but this, I've, I even forget what the theologians call this, but I'm going to teach out of a section of, a, of the book of a Bible, of the book of the Bible. So Colossians 1, 1 through 8. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ Jesus at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love this spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. That's a key phrase there. You learned it from Ephesus, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So, Father, we thank you for the power of God. We thank you for the anointing that's on your word. And, Lord, we thank you that your word is powerful. It is living and it does miraculous things. Paul, when this letter, when he penned this letter, he was, he was actually in Ephesus. When the, Colise, when the Colise church was founded by Epaphras. So Paul was working in, he was working in Ephesus. However, However, his, his or he was working in in Ephesus so that Epaphras could could go to Colossae and start the church. 
So I'm glad I got that out of the way. But in Philemon 23, it's real important because Paul calls Epaphras a much-loved co-worker, a faithful servant, and a prisoner or fellow prisoner. So Paul is saying, Epaphras, you're my co-worker. You're not some guy that's underneath me, um, you know, because I'm a great apostle or something like that. He actually recognizes Epaphras as a co-worker, someone who is equal, probably, uh, you know, if the word definition, if I'm thinking of the word definition correctly, it means a co-worker or somebody co-equal to. You may have different gifts, may have different talents, but basically he's saying, my brother is on the same level as I am. And he is doing the same work I am. And he is out in the church. He's doing, I'm in Ephesus, he's in Colossae, and we're doing the same thing. It's real important that we all understand that we all have a job to do in the body of Christ. And that we have to focus correctly on why we're here and what we're doing. Okay? Oh, wow, I must have lost the preview. Yeah. Okay. The second thing he says is that he's a faithful servant. Over, over the years, I have found out that the only thing that makes any difference is faithfulness. Faithfulness to discharge what God has given you to do. So, my encouragement for you today is to find out what God has called you to do and do it faithfully. And over time... God will use you powerfully. God will use you. And then he calls him a fellow prisoner. He's going through the same things Paul was going through. Preaching the same gospel. So when he says a fellow prisoner, I just have to assume that he's saying, hey, you are, <clears throat> you are a you're in the same water I'm in. You are in the same trouble with the, with the people in the city that I'm in. Okay? So just understand that things will come, but I want you to be encouraged tonight that be faithful. You are a fellow prisoner. You, you understand that you are a bond slave to Jesus and you have a job to do for the kingdom. You are a co-worker, meaning that just because one is preaching, one is prophesying, one's doing healing, one's doing deliverance, one's doing whatever, you don't, you don't focus on that. You focus on discharging your duty. Amen? So Paul was constantly praying for the church. The Colossian church was, during his regular, he was praying for the Colossian church during his regular prayer hours. Now, there's a lot to say about that, but 
I'm just going to say we need to step up and start making four o'clock prayer. My wife was even coming, is now starting to come back to leading prayer. And so we, we need... We need to be more of a praying church. I know, I know from statistics that very few people show up for prayer group. Very few. And it should be one of the leading things that are actually happening in the church. It's where revival starts. It's where a move of God starts. It's where what we sang about, a fresh outpouring comes. Paul's thankfulness is described in verses four through eight. And I'm almost to where I really want to be. But Paul heard of their faithfulness in Christ Jesus. He heard through the grapevine, things were going on in the, in the, in the church of policy. So it has nothing to do with the individual that is starting the move. It has everything to do with how the people respond to God's movement. Are you with me? Somebody could come in and grab this mic, and if you guys are hungry enough, or if, that's, if this city is hungry enough, God's going to meet the demand on whoever it is. So he heard about their faithfulness. He also heard the love of each of them for God's people. They were loving people as people were coming into the church. They were loving on them. They were getting to know them. There's a reason why I'm preaching this message today, and I just now figured it out. It's because I, I feel we're going to start to increase. And we need to make sure that we know every person. I didn't get a chance to meet my brother over here, but right after service, I will. But my point is, is we need to make sure that everybody feels welcome, that everybody is loved. We need to be faithful to that. The love that causes people to act, to do kind things for people, to go over and say, hi, welcome. To, to say, well, how you been? You know, I'm not much of a social guy. And so I was thinking of uh, the Lord laid on my heart two people. One comes here and one doesn't. But I called them both this week, just out of my normal, normal time, just because God had kept emphasizing you need to connect with these guys. So I did. Faith in Christ produces love for others. The more you walk with Jesus, the more you should love. It will cause you to act and show kindness towards people. These are acts of love. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter, you know, Whatever has happened to you in your life, my desire, and I know Pastor Keith's desire, is that when people come into this church, they feel loved. Because, you, because this body is walking close with Christ. Okay? 
and acts of love based on the hope of the hope of heaven. Now, not so much that we're looking towards heaven, but that we're looking at heaven towards earth. Even though it is a reference towards looking at the hope that is stored up for you in heaven, but heaven is now. It will be in the future, but it's the kingdom of God is now. When you get saved, you enter the kingdom. So it's not only a reference to the future hope, but it's a reference to a hope of the kingdom will be in such a way that people's lives are dramatically changed just as if they had gone to be with the Lord. That's my hope. That's my hope. Heaven now, eternity later. Love comes from maturing as a believer, growing in the new creation, becoming one with God's design of the new man. I am now living more by the spirit than I am by the flesh. Amen? Amen. I'm almost done. I'm not keeping you very long tonight. The truth of the gospel that he talks about here is the deepening of revelation. The deepening of revelation that causes transformation. The more you understand the scriptures, the more that you're able to impact lives. I, I, I need to be very careful what I say here, but you know, what my family went through was absolutely torturous. It was very, 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 very difficult. But what I'm watching God do and the things that I've learned, I can actually say what the devil meant for evil, God is turning it around for the good. I watched that today. I watched it. I watched that scripture in action an hour before I came to this church. I was, my home was in the middle of watching God take something bad that the kingdom of darkness used against my family and to turn it around and for my daughter to say, I've never, I haven't breathed like this since I was 10 years old. Now I'm very anxious to see the, the x-rays and the CAT scan. <laughs> the truth of the gospel, the verses that he's talking about is not only heresy and false teachers. Well, you know, he's making reference to staying in the truth and being careful not to follow heresy and false teachers. Have you ever thought that maybe people are preaching the gospel, but they're not giving you the whole truth? Have you felt like that? 
you know, it's, it's hard to tell somebody the truth. It's hard to say a curse did this. Or it's hard to say because of sin, this has happened. But Jesus did it. Jesus in Mark chapter 2 tells the paralytic, which is easier to say to the, to the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Directly connecting sin with sickness or to say, get up and walk, which is easier to say. Obviously, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, correct? Because it's something that is not seen. My point is this. There are spiritual realities that I want you to know because you may need these tools in your future walk in Christ and you may be someone's breakthrough that changes their whole family. Listen, you know, I mean, everybody knew that lady in that church in Sedalia um, and I just took them through these 18 different things and she is bound in a wheelchair, this, this walking wheelchair, if you will. You know the ones you can walk behind it and or sit in it, but it's, it's kind of, I call them walking wheelchairs. It's not a full-blown wheelchair, but she couldn't walk on her own. She needed assistance just to stand up. And I took the whole church through these 18 things and next thing you know, she's up there for prayer. The power of God comes on her. I said, let go of that walker and hang on to me. And, and so I said, now walk, walk. And she started to take some steps and she kept trying to hang on to me. I'm going, let go, let go of me. I'm trying to peel her hand off my hand. And she let go. And the minute she let go, boom, and she was gone. She was off to the races, running around the church. And you know, the thing is, you can't fool the saints. She'd been going to that church for four or five years. So they know the, the condition she was in. My point is we need to learn to stand, stand in the faith, stand strong in the faith. No matter what other people are doing, I am asking you to look at the gospel in a different way and to understand that these signs shall follow those that believe. Now, the reason we don't see the miracles that we read about in the Bible is because there's not proper biblical method because each person may need a different way of doing it. You see what I'm saying? Let's just pick out a good topic here, healing. Not every person can be healed just from the presence of God. I've watched it. I've seen it. However, I watch a lot, of, I watch many get healed from the presence of God. 
But then I've also seen where curse breaking, deliverance unto healing, inner healing, taking people through deep forgiveness issues. I have also seen God heal people that way too. Two more things for you. The gospel is alive. It is alive. It is growing in you. The more you put the gospel into practice, the more it will grow in you. You have to look at your Bible as something that is alive. And it wants to grow in you. It won't, over time, it's kind of like, um, you know, you look at your driver's license. I don't like to use this example. I'm going to do me today. Um, and I'm in San Francisco, and my driver's license is about to expire last Christmas. And um, I hand it to the guy in security. He goes, oh, you haven't, you don't have, I can't, it, this is you, but your picture is not updated. In other words, he says, you look older, guy. You look older. My point is this. When I looked at the picture, I thought it was a good picture. You don't know that you're growing inside. You don't know. You can't tell until something brings it out. It will spread from you. The more that it is alive in you, the more that it grows in you, the more it will spread from you. And it will bear fruit for you. Eternal fruit for you. Okay, the last thing. Epaphras brought them the gospel in Colossae. And the Colossians heard it. And here is what I really want to just make a couple points with. It says, and understood God's grace in all its truth. That is a major statement. It's just not talking about salvation. God's grace is his favor to prosperous people in all ways. In all its truth. Paul and his, and his missionary team had gotten to a place where they were preaching a gospel that covered all the graces of God. All the graces of God. It just moved me. It moved me when I, when I read this the other day. I said, I have got to preach this. I've got to go through the book of Colossians and look at it in a different way. But here, here's where I want to close with. In all its truth. Once the gospel, once you know it's alive, once you know it's looking to bear fruit through you, the only thing that stands between the answer that you need is the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth. Now, I've always thought in many cases that I really had a good handle on the Bible until God would say, no, no, you're not open here. 
See? So I've learned not to close my mind to anything. I've learned to look for these little key sayings in the Bible, the knowledge in all its truth. So I have to, my job, I, when I read that scripture, this is my closing statement. When I read that scripture, I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to reinvestigate God. Because I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. You guys get anything? Why don't you stand? Holy.